Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Well, Gather, today is the third Sunday of, of Lent, uh, of the Lenten season. And, and this season is a season of preparation. It's the six weeks between Ash Wednesday and Easter. And, um, and we're talking all, all during this season here in our community about how Lent is ultimately a season about our humanity. And, and all during Lent, we're, we're focusing on the reality that, that the acceptance of our humanity is a way to encounter God. So, so not the kind of pushing down and, and avoiding of our humanity, uh, but the real and true acceptance of all of our humanity, that all of it is spiritual, that all of it is seen by God, that all of it is loved by God, that all of it is desired by God, that all of that humanity can be a way to encounter the loving and the living God. This Lent, we are embracing our full selves, all of our humanity, in order to encounter God. And today, I want to have a conversation about our grief. And I know that doesn't sound very exciting. Maybe it doesn't sound like good news. But our grief may be the most human part of us. It may also be the most spiritual part about us. Grief is deeply human. The the great Indian teacher, Eknat Isarwan, says, We can spend the better part of our lives attempting to construct the perfect personal environment, a kind of bubble that will insulate us against everything unpleasant. But sorrow is woven in to the very texture of life. And grief is human. It is woven into the texture of our life. And we're on a journey of embracing all of our humanity. And so today we're talking about how to truly and fully embrace our grief because it is ultimately a deep part of being human. And Jesus shows us a lot about grief. He he teaches us and he models uh, what it means to grieve. Right in John 11, uh, uh, his friend Lazarus dies and Jesus travels to where Lazarus is and he shows up and Lazarus's friends and, and, and family are crying. And it says that Jesus is deeply troubled and that Jesus weeps. And the word in John 11 for troubled, it literally means that Jesus is shaken or maybe even shaking, like physically shaking. He was shaken by the death of his friend and he weeps, he grieves, he embraces his grief. And on the cross in Matthew chapter 27, in what had to be extreme pain, Jesus cries out, quoting Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How true and real of grief, how human of our grief to cry out, God, where are you? Jesus teaches us a lot about grief, but today I want to spend some time with Jesus' blessing to those who grieve, to those who mourn. Uh, In Matthew chapter 5, this this is in the famous Sermon on the Mount, says in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And then in the, in the famous Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And before we get into that specific blessing, I want to help you uh, with, with kind of a framework for this entire passage. As this passage is meant to remind us, of Moses going up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. 
Right, so in Exodus 19, we remember the, the Ten Commandments, I think. In Exodus 19, Moses goes up to this mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He hikes all the way up. Uh, he gets this word from God, and then he gives them these, this, new, this law to God's people. And in Matthew chap, chapter 5, it starts by seeing that Jesus went up the mountain. Matthew's trying to give us a picture of this new kind of Moses who's giving a new kind of law. So think law, think Moses here, and a new kind of law. And many of us have heard this passage, and what I really struggle with here is the word blessed, to be totally honest. We hear the word blessed in, in kind of a particular way with a particular cultural meaning and connotation. But it means all kinds of things to us and somehow means nothing all at the same time. And when Moses received the, that first law, those, those Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 19, the word blessed wasn't used. That, that's a word that gets used when they retell the law in the book of Deuteronomy. But uh, Exodus uh, chapter 19 doesn't use the, the word blessed. It actually gives us a different term that I think could be helpful for us. So in Exodus uh, chapter 19, verse 5, it says, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possessions. This is how, how Exodus describes God's relationship to his people in that first law. You will be treasured. And I think I like treasured more than blessed. And I think today, if you would, would allow me, we, we might could just offer a simple swap. Treasured for blessed. And I think if we do... It really brings the passage alive. Because typically we think that Jesus is instructing us, that this passage is prescriptive, that we're supposed to behave a certain way, that this is a to-do list. And if we do this list appropriately, then we'll be blessed or lucky or happy or whatever word we put in. If we behave, then we'll get what we want. But this isn't a to-do list. Jesus is giving us something new. He's giving us a new way of thinking, a new way of living. He isn't giving an exhaustive list of everything that makes God happy. This isn't God's exhaustive to-do list. Jesus is seeing real people right in front of him. This is human. That there are actual people in front of Jesus that he's making eye contact with as he teaches making eye contact with the peacemakers and the mourners and the pure in heart. And he looks them in the eyes and says, treasure, blessed are those who mourn. But there's a crowd of people. It's a lot of humanity, a lot of struggle, a lot of stories, a lot of pain, a lot of beauty. Jesus looks out and sees the crowd, really sees them and declares, treasure. And that's the framework I want us to have as, as we approach this one specific blessing about mourning, that I don't think this is prescriptive. I don't think Jesus is giving a to-do list. I think Jesus is seeing the humanity of the people in front of him, and he is calling out their, the fact that they are already treasured possessions, that they are already blessed by God, that they're already loved by God. He is naming who they are already treasured. I think this is the framework to help us embrace our grief, that our grief is treasured. But treasured are those who mourn. And I know many of you, and I know your stories, and I know the pain you have and are facing. I know 
your, your trauma, your grief. And I know that for many of you, that pain and trauma and grief is too heavy to carry alone. But too often we think our stories of pain and trauma and grief, we think that if we share them with other people, that they'll be a burden to someone else. We think of our pain and our trauma and our grief, we think of our mourning as something that should be whispered. As if it comes with some sort of shame. As if we might need to apologize for it. As if it might be too heavy for someone else. But I just want to remind you of this simple phrase from Jesus here. That your grief, your pain, your trauma, that who you are, that you're treasured, not a burden. And that means that your pain and your grief and your trauma, that your mourning isn't a burden either. You are not a burden. There's nothing shameful about you or your story. You are treasured. Last Thursday, the, the 25th, my wife Katie had a miscarriage. And it's been, it's been really, really hard. H harder than I would have expected. It's a new grief for us. Uh, we've learned about how common this grief is. We're not unique in this grief. It is, is common. But it's, it's real grief and pain. And last Sunday, I stood here in my spot and I... Uh, preached a, a sermon uh, to you where I didn't share any of that grief, and for a few days after, um, we didn't really we didn't tell anybody, and it was really hard to tell people because it felt like we were somehow doing something wrong or rude or impolite by sharing our grief. We literally apologized for telling people. We we started phone calls and text messages with. We're sorry to share this with you. And we whispered the word miscarriage. But you gather our, our people, our friends, our family, our community. You saw us and you treasured us. You loved us. You prayed for us. And you reminded us that our grief isn't too big a burden. To share. It may be too big to carry alone, but it's not too big a burden to share, and that we aren't a burden either. You reminded us that we're treasured. Gather blessed, treasured are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. For you, how, how do you think about your own story, your own pain, your own grief? Do you share it openly or do you think it might be impolite or rude to share it? Do you think it might be too big of a burden for other people to have to hear? How do you think about your own mourning? And for you, do you have a people? Do you, do you have family and friends, a community to share your pain and grief with? You know, Jesus says here that blessed, treasured are those who mourn for they will be Comforted, but I think the only way we get that comfort is if we let somebody see us. It's in our vulnerability that we find the comfort that we need. And I wonder if, if you're letting anybody in 
if anybody sees you, if you're truly vulnerable. And our grief, our humanity is on full display. And as we embrace our grief, not push it down, not avoid it, not whisper it, but we embrace it as a part of who we are, then we find a way to encounter God because our grief, our pain, our trauma, our humanity is treasured. The great Henry Nouwen wrote a book called uh, A Letter of Consolation. He wrote it six months after his mother passed away, and it was dedicated to all those who suffer pain and search for a new life. I think that's beautiful. And at the very end of this book, he wrote a section to his father, who was grieving the death of, of his wife, whom he was married to for 47 years. And this is what Henry Nouwen writes to his dad about the grief that they're sharing. He writes, love often makes itself visible in pain. The pain we are now experiencing shows us how deep, full, intimate, and all-pervasive our love was. Is this a consolation? Does this bring comfort? Maybe these words will only increase your tears and deepen your grief. But for me, who grieves with you, there is no other way. I do want to comfort and console you, but not in a way that covers up real pain and avoids all wounds. I am writing you this letter in the firm conviction that reality can be faced and entered with an open mind and an open heart and in the sincere belief that consolation and comfort are to be found where our wounds hurt most. Gather, I, I don't know if my sermon today is a consolation, if it's a comfort to you. Maybe I've only increased your tears and deepened your grief. But for me who grieves with you, there is no other way. I want to comfort and console you, but not in a way that covers up real pain and avoids all wounds. I am preaching this sermon in the firm conviction that reality can be faced and entered with an open mind and an open heart and in the sincere belief that consolation and comfort are to be found where our wounds hurt most. So gather my prayer for you this week is that love would illumine your grief and that you would be comforted because you are treasure. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.